0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast!
1: It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
2: to Teachers Talk Radio, it is Thursday the 17th of August, better known as A-Level Results Day. So what better than to bring you the dulcet tones of Adam Spence and Brent Poland who are going to dissect the news. We're going to look at the levelling down by region, the regional variation of the results we'll be looking at. How many students managed to last for two years, will of course be looking at the drop in A stars and A's, and we'll be looking at the reaction from politicians, from teachers and from everybody else across the last day, including Julian Keegan's comment that actually these results won't matter within a few years, which has caused quite a bit of consternation. We've had Alistair Campbell replying to us. We had the comedian Dom Jolie. We've had reactions from the Labour Party. And we've also had a lot of teachers saying, well, actually, Julian Keegan has a point. So without further ado, I'm now going to hand over to Adam, who is going to direct for discussion tonight. Adam, how are you doing? Adam. Find the mute button
3: and unmute yourself. Of course, yep, I've done that. Hello, good evening, yes, Yes, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, Hopefully, uh, Brent is going to join us, but he's in Northern Ireland uh, with a, I think, a satellite on the end of his phone, trying to find a signal as we speak. Um, But as you said, yesterday is um, A Levels results day. And it's a bit like a kind of bolt and a wake up after the holiday, isn't it? But all of a sudden, you're kind of back in the game. Uh, you've, uh, you've got your school, uh, colleagues contacting you. Uh, people have gone into work today to obviously pick up results and talk to students. So it does feel like a, a little bit like this. These two days in the middle of the day where all of a sudden you have kind of shaken out of the holiday relaxation state and you're back into the game. So as you rightly said, there's been uh, lots uh, on the news today and um, you know social media has been full of comments and so hopefully i can kind of lead you through this today i don't want this to be a kind of solo experience at all i want uh, plenty of uh, contributions i'm sure everybody's got a viewpoint that they'd like to bring in but it's not just a levels of course it's the BTEC level threes which i know uh, a lot of students have already had their results um a before we broke up probably most of them um there are a couple of um uh, year 12 beta results maybe if they've had an exam back in may they get the results today and we have our first set of uh, t-level results as well so there's quite a lot to unpack and um it's been really interesting. hello Is that- yeah carry on Yep, sorry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there's been lots of data being kind of crunched today, so uh, that's just fantastic. So I just want to, before we make a start, say so just to mention that uh, today's space is brought to you by uh, Pearson um, and um, Edix, uh, Pearson's MFL uh, courses and uh, the edXL's new student centre, French, German, Spanish, 2014 GCSE caters for Um, the needs of all learners regardless of their background or reason for study. Uh, These courses are rooted in learnt language knowledge. Uh, Their assessments are transparent, accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills through inclusive and relatable content. Uh, The new peer build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop and understand understanding and appreciation of the wider world and to find out more you can just go to uh, go.pearson.com uh, for I mean Brent uh, joked uh, last week about how we've been uh, you know wandering across Europe over the last couple of months and how good it would be to obviously have a language that we don't have so please go to them if you uh, you know if you're interested in what pierce and mfl have got to offer so let's go through uh, some of the headlines today because i think that's kind of an important uh, start point so the a the a levels are the big one that maybe has covered most of the news today which is quite interesting because There's obviously a big span and we can kind of talk about the importance of different qualifications at this age. Uh, But the proportion of A to A star grades um, is now um, 27.2 percent. That's down from a peak of 44.8 percent during the pandemic. That's the the four was the steepest in England with um, 26.5 percent of exams getting the uh, top grade. In Wales, the figure was slightly different at 34%, and in Northern Ireland, it was 37.5% uh, percent of students getting that uh, top grade. Um, so I think that's the big question uh, to is it? Is it fair that this has happened? Is this recalibration of uh, results and grades uh, really fair on the students that have received them? Um, Lots of students have been working incredibly hard um, over the last couple of years uh, to get the results. They've been putting in as much effort as any other cohort and, you know, listening to the TV, radio, uh, looking on social media today. It's obviously, a lot of students that feel uh, a little bit kind of harshly treated. Um, So, that's the first thing I kind of want to start off with tonight. Do people think it's fair on the current cohort that this recalibration has happened, um, we'll obviously talk about it in terms of the robustness, of the qualification, and that type of thing. But I just want to talk on a more personal level to start off with. Do they think? Do you think it's fair on the individuals involved and the students involved who woke up this morning to find that they were expecting a a a star and have not received that, um, even though we know that uh, UCAS have said that um, actually you know a lot of students do have their first uh, place and a lot of students after that have been able to go to their insurance place after that. Um, So that's my kind of first question that I just want to kind of throw open. Um, What do people think? Do we think there's a fairness to the students involved today?
1: It's a
2: really interesting question isn't it Adam and I think it's somebody had the really interesting idea of referring to the 2020 and the 2021 um, exam results for GCSE and A level by actually giving them a different name altogether and actually not calling them GCSEs and A-levels, but actually referring to them as alternate qualifications. And therefore, from an employee's perspective, from a university's perspective, when they're trying to shortlist candidates and they're looking at their um, exam results, it's actually not comparing apples with oranges, um, which it is at the moment. And unfortunately, a lot of our A-level students across the country this year would have been competing for places with candidates who had grades from last year and would have had more overinflated grades and students who would have got A-stars last year would have got A's this year. And it's very difficult, therefore, for the students this year to compete with the students from last year. And so I think one of the ideas I'm going to throw into the thought pool here, Adam, is the idea of how how, for employers' sake, do we best differentiate between the qualifications achieved in 2020, 2021 and 2022 and the qualifications which have been achieved in 2023 onwards
3: yeah it's interesting i mean i, I know we're talking about a levels at the start and yeah you know, there's a really interesting tweet earlier on so and i think i just messaged you guys earlier you know as, as a you know someone that supports BTECs really strongly I, I find it very difficult to find any information on BTECs uh, overall today which shows you kind of how hard it is to find that information t- uh, today um but is is the a level itself just a a vehicle just to get to university? Is that all that it's become now? Is it kind of a two-year stepping stone between main uh, main school and university? And it's just a little, uh, it's a hurdle or a big leap or whatever you want to think about. It's a way of um, getting students to university and that's its only kind of purpose anymore. Um, maybe that's the thing to think about is, what is this A-level? Uh, what does it actually do for students? And, you know, is it a worthwhile, is it a worthwhile thing for students to actually go through in the first place? Because there's a lot of pressure put on today. And, you know, um, we've got got a family uh, connection today. My niece is trying to get onto a a dentistry degree. And she was she was genuinely someone that has been really confident all the way through her education life. Just had kind of no idea today what to expect. And I found that quite hard to believe. I saw them last weekend and there was there's like a palpable fear with her that she just doesn't know she couldn't call it one way or the other uh, and this is somebody who um has done all the right things has you know done the done the study groups uh, pushed herself challenged herself you know um really studied hard and then to sit there the night before and genuinely have no idea about what they're going to get the next day and if they are going to be able to get onto their uh, course um, but, I, but I do appreciate what you're saying, you know, but do, do employees even look at this anymore? Um, I mean, there's interesting uh, quotes. Uh, there's two interesting quotes back to back today. One was from uh, the education secretary uh, who did say that, you know, in 10 years time, um, who will look at these qualifications or who will ask you in 10 years time uh, what these will be? Um, and then really interestingly, straight off the back of that, um, Gary Neville, um, uh, was on the, B- the BBC News show this morning, uh, suggesting maybe students would be better off having some kind of uh, learning passport or a skills passport or a a portfolio of evidence that they leave with um, that is bigger than just an assessment and it is actually showcasing some of those core skills. Um, so, really, really interesting perspective there of, you know, what what do people think this thing is? Um, and maybe there's a lot of um, self-made um, uh, business business people that maybe haven't gone through the A-level, six-form cycle themselves. Um, so they probably don't fully understand what this kind of process is anyway. <laughs>
2: Let's start with Julian Keegan's quote then. So she said they won't ask you anything about your A-level grades in 10 years' time, but they'll ask you about other things you have done since then, what you've done in the workplace, what you did at university and then after a period of time they don't even ask you what you did at university. I mean, she has a point, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's about the idea here of A-levels being a gateway, a pathway into going to university or getting an apprenticeship or going into a workplace or going to whatever you need to do. And it's exactly the same with GCSEs as well. Once you've got your GCSEs and you've got what you need to go to where you want to go, they suddenly don't really matter anymore. So she does have a point. But then on the other hand, there are two issues with this, aren't there? The first issue is that um, actually in some jobs and in some sectors, what you get at GCSE and A-level does really matter and one of those which julian keegan kind of missed out unfortunately for her was the education the teaching profession in order to train as a teacher in england you have to have your pass at GCSE in english and in maths and if you want to teach primary you've got to have your pass in science as well those results, yeah. yes, they're a gateway to getting onto A-levels and then onto university and then onto whatever you want to do. But actually, those results and those GCSEs still matter if you want to become a teacher. And I think that's a really important point. And also, what about those students who didn't get what they need for A-level grades? In 10 years' time, they might be thinking, well, actually, if I'd worked a bit harder, I could have gone and done what I really wanted to do. Instead, I had to go down this path instead, and I couldn't really enjoy it. So there's a couple of perspectives on Julian Keegan's feel free of course to tweet along and check, share your thoughts with us that speech bubble in the bottom right hand corner allows you to tweet along with the space and offer your thoughts on the results of the day and the latest reactions from all sorts of people on results day and share your results day stories as well and of course you can call in if you're brave enough the bottom left hand side you can press that request button and you can call in as a speaker we would love to hear from you this evening adam back to you
3: yeah, no worries. So, so there's there's other um, yes, that's great. Thanks for your input. Um, there's some great data that's been put out. I've been following a guy called uh, Graham Cumming called at uh, Maths Not, and he's been putting some really crunching some data today that's really interesting. You can kind of uh, follow him to see the kind of wave of data that he's managed to put together from the exam in 2019 to the uh, inverted commas rogue algorithm in 2020, uh, the CAGs in 2020, the TAGs in 2021, the exam then in 2021, 22 with uh, additional support and the exam now in 2023. And we can see, you can see on that data, the big peak is at, uh, in terms of the tags, was in the A star and A kind of category. It does flatten off then as you go through uh, some of the data. So that's the big headline today, is that kind of top mark uh, of A stars and A. And I know from my niece's perspective, it was that that she was hunting down at, uh, today just to get onto those kind of uh, dentistry courses and those, you know, those red brick universities where people have really uh, pushed themselves to, to get to today. So um, has anyone got any kind of perspective that they want to kind of bring in? How has your results day been? Um, if you'd like to kind of comment or you know just put your hand up and I can let you in to speak. Yeah, give you sort of Interesting,
2: of- hasn't it, Adam? I mean, my results day story was. Um- I I woke up at 6am, logged on to Edexcel Results Plus and there were my results. And interestingly, I had no lag. So thank you, Edexcel, for the lack of lag and being able to access those results quite nicely. What would have been nice is if I was able to see all of the students' results at once and I didn't have to search um, for all of the results name by name one at a time. That was a bit annoying. On the other hand, the OCR experience, oh my word, Results were released at 8am. By the time I'd actually seen the results for the unit which I taught, it was probably about half to 11 because of so many runtime errors, so many, you know, excess traffic problems, so many people trying to get onto OCR active results. It was a real pain. And fortunately, of course, the schools and all of the centres get, given the results the day before, so we had the printouts, but to actually see the unit by unit breakdown and the question by question breakdown, my word, that was quite difficult. So, yeah, mixed experiences.
3: And and there was was that kind of uh, unfortunate story, was it yesterday, where one squad actually sent them out a day early? Uh, which is a kind of a bit of a kind of boop uh, on their behalf. Won't name the school, but uh, obviously they they got kind of it got pulled up straight away that they got that um, data kind of sent off before it should have been released. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's that moment, isn't it, that you suddenly just kind of bolt upright out of your, out of the slumber of the summer holiday, and all of a sudden you kind of back in the game for a day, and then it kind of peters off again for a week, and then you kind of back in again uh, for the GTSEs, and then you kind of back into the swing of school um but one of the one of the other interesting bits of data that i saw today was the um proportion of a stars to a awarded by uh, region mm. um, in 2019 2020 um, so it's really interesting because this is also kind of linked to uh, those real peaks in the tag uh, uh, scores as well. And what they call the over what kept being called today, the overinflated year or the overinflated kind of grades that we need to be brought back into line uh, from. Now, really interesting. The 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 A star to A level grade in the TAG system were at their highest in the in the London region and the um, south uh, south east. Now, if you look at the uh, results today, uh, the proportion of A stars uh, re- awarded rewarded um, to today as well has also been highest in those two two regions and lowest. Um, in the uh, north and northeast so there's another element that's coming through today again about how um, there's this you know inbuilt uh, disadvantaged um, you know disadvantage is disadvantaging the disadvantaged students even even worse today than it did kind of previously so that trend has carried on um, so the whole levelling up debate over the robustness and fairness and that type of thing. Well, we know, again, that the students that are the most disadvantaged are, again, being hit by this uh, grade recalculation today. So that's another kind of uh, interesting perspective to bring in today as we're getting these, uh, getting this analysis kind of uh, coming through um, as, as, as it happens. I don't know if you've got any perspective on that uh, that you'd like to bring in. Are you in the north and northeast uh, t- tonight? Are you seeing that, uh, you know, um, divide, widen again um, from, from the south and the, and the London regions as they are seemingly, again, achieving the um, highest grades? And therefore, um, the students, those schools will end up in the uh, top universities, the top courses and uh, they will be getting their places and the students in the northeast and the north will be the ones going to um, their insurance places or going through clearing or maybe not even getting their place at university uh, today.
2: It's really interesting isn't it Adam and I'd love to hear from people who Teachers or leaders in the northeast, in Yorkshire in particular, which were the only two regions in the um, country um, in England to see their proportion of A stars um, or A star to A, so I think it was definitely A stars um, lower in 2023 than they were in 2019. In every other region, particularly in London and the southeast, the proportion of A stars were ha- higher um, in 2013 than 2019, but actually it's gone down. Now, examiners and markers and assessors don't know anything about the candidates. They don't know where they're from. They don't know what school they went to. They don't know anything. And that's why many people would argue that um, exams are the least unfair form of assessment at the end of a course. However, we have this disadvantage gap. We have this regional variation in results. And I think it will be really interesting over the coming days and the coming weeks and perhaps even longer, there'll be many many a think tank um, and many a policy institute looking at the correlations and perhaps the causations um, between this regional variation and the results. And whether it's the impact of a pandemic, whether it's it's aligned with poverty or deprivation or with the availability of subject specific teachers. I wonder how many um, people who did A-level physics this year were taught by a physics teacher. I wonder how many people who did A-level religious studies were taught by a religious studies teacher. It'll be very interesting to see those gaps. And I suspect there's going to be um, a great deal of variation by region as well. Again, we'd love to hear from you. So do share your Results, days, stories. Make sure you are tweeting. You can use the speech bubble in the bottom right. You can request to speak with the button, the request button on the bottom left. If you've got any questions for Adam, please make sure you tweet them to us as well and tag us in at TT Radio official. And if you were listening back on demand, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter and make sure you subscribe to us on our website, ttradio.org.
1: It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
3: yeah brilliant thank you so i mean like this as you said i think that it does actually add to uh, bigger wider problems that i know me and brent have covered on you know multiple podcasts with the uh, teacher talk radio team and on this live space on numerous occasions of you know are the are if you if you correlated all this together all this kind of teachers leaving the profession where they're leaving the profession from uh, the access to equipment school buildings the access to uh, the reading that they couldn't do over lockdown the access to kind of it equipment that they didn't have over lockdown i wonder if it's just a pure and simple re- resource issue that some students just cannot access the resources required um to get the higher grades and it doesn't matter how hard they work or how hard you know their teachers are working probably even harder uh, than in most they're actually just up against something, um, you know, that just they cannot get a, they cannot get a level with the students in the London and the southeast. And I know this is something that is, you know, talked about in all sorts of, you know, regions or different areas across the country when we talk about kind of public spending, you know, access to transport, access, to uh, good Wi-Fi, access to uh, good teachers, access to you think about, you know, all those schools that have the uh, tutor companies all around the kind of area, you know, the infrastructure that's around education that supports a individual child is much greater than an individual school, it's much greater than an individual teacher, you know, everybody's working incredibly hard, we know that because of burnout rates, we know that because of testimonies from teachers, so we need a policy now that properly addresses some of these clear um, disadvantages that are appearing in our, uh, in our system. And um, we, we, you know, as, as rightly so, we know, because it was, it was literally on uh, Schools Week this week, about the extent to which um, classes are taught by non-specialist teachers again, and it'd be really interesting to know where they are across the country and how many people in the north and northeast are being taught by non-specialist teachers and again just think about the stress that that's bringing onto the whole system the the individual teacher who is expected to uh, teach a lesson who is not an expert and they will know full and full and well as they go into that lesson that they they don't know the the full you know content that they're going into them a couple of lessons ahead of the individual uh, students themselves so I'll, I'll leave that for a minute just so people can kind of uh, you know pull all that together on a levels we want to know i know something that's uh, really going through our, our uh, assessment center today and school is the um, is the first drop of the uh, T level results, and um, this is something that I know uh, our centres really trying to develop over the next um, you know couple of years, and really keen to kind of develop our T levels as a, as, a, as a STEM school. In the first in the first instance, we see a kind of natural link in in what we're doing, but there are some concerns that have come out today, and. One is the the dropout rates of students on the T-level. So if you are a T-level teacher this year or you've had students to go through this or have dropped out, it would be really interesting to hear from you uh, this evening. Uh, But it's 33% uh, dropout uh, rate, um, which has compared very badly to other uh, level three qualifications. Um, So the whole retention rate. 4a levels is 95%. so you can see it's kind of quite stark in terms of that overall level 3 um you know ret- retention uh, rate. um so it's really in- be really interesting to know kind of why you think that is. i know that um you know we are uh, building those relationships now with companies we are trying to develop uh, what we're doing um but it's very interesting kind of looking at t levels and uh, because the, the overall um, qualification uh, we think you know and I you know I've, I've spent some time with it does look quite good in terms of preparing students for a, bro- a, a broader uh, education. We've just talked about exams being kind of quite narrow in their scope, um, but the certainly for example we're looking at nursing. You know we're literally looking at building a kind of mini ward um, across onto different sites across the road. Um, how interesting that will be for students to have a, a fantastic experience uh, within that. Um, I do notice that Brent's popped up, so I don't know if he's um, able to speak, if he's got a bit of a signal.
2: late as ever, Brent is in the building. Brent, we had <laughs> Alistair Campbell calling. I'm joking, um, I didn't want to, I, I don't to let you down like that, yeah. but he has responded <laughs> to us today, as has Catherine Verbalse and all the usuals. Brent... Bonjour, oh, I believe you in France,
4: No, 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 I'm in... It's... I I'm in, the, it's, it's, uh, I'm in uh, my homeland. Fantastic. How, how are we doing? Well, uh, we're, we packed up our tent early, so we get ahead of the weather, because there's a weather front coming in, and I didn't want to be packing a tent up. So I'm actually in a youth hostel, deep inside the Moorin Mountains, where the White Walkers used to walk with Game of Thrones. So I'm quite lucky to have a signal. When I When I was... Hopefully, this is, you're actually hearing me. At some indication, you are hearing me because the signal's... Are
1: really
4: hearing yeah. Can you. Yeah. We're all good? Yep, go. Yes, so we yeah. can
2: hear you. You're fine.
4: So, yes, yeah. so it's just the last day of my uh, family holiday meeting the my old folks, which was hilarious because I, I did that thing of bumping into my old uh, teacher today. And and um, as they walk past, they say, hello, Miss Lennon. And they give me that look, that look that a, that a teacher gives one of their ex-pupils that says, I know you. <laughs> but I don't know you. So I had to go after about 30 seconds later and say, Hi, Miss Lennon. I'm Brian I'm Poland that you taught me 20, 29 years ago. And then it all came back and I was like, Oh, you did well for yourself. Thank you very much. And I just said, Thank you very much for all that you did for me. And uh, apologies for all the, the, the horrible things I did when I was at school. And she looked and went, I have no memory of them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it was you just did of really well for yourself, Brett. You're here on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, I did. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, I did well for myself. From a kid who failed the 11 plus, went to a secondary school, which that was that teacher at, and then got to a grammar school to get um, really good A levels because it wasn't expected of me. You see, and I'd say one of the best days of my life, one of the top 10 days of my life, was me getting my A levels. Um, I got two As and B, two As and a B for a kid who failed the 11 plus to get seven GCSEs to get A levels at two As and a B in um, economics, politics and geography was exceptional. And, um, and it was probably the highlight of my educational career because I went to university and then discovered alcohol and girls and that was the end of that. But the thing that was, I remember what that was like getting those A-level grades. And for Gillian Keegan today to turn around and say, oh, nobody cares what you got in your A-levels 10 years down the line, I think is very much tone deaf to how much effort goes into 14 years of education. I thank my teacher today I hadn't seen in 29 years for the part that they helped play in getting me over that line. And, and that, of course, they did that thing of not probably remembering me, but that's the thing. I remember them and I remember what they did for me. And I'm a bit sort of angry at what the news I've seen. Gary Neville, I think, has got a point about the way our air levels have been. And I've got a question... Can of I, can I interject a minute, Brent? Can I yeah. just
3: you a minute, Brent? Um, yeah. So I think that's... Are you saying one of the things that she's missed, really, is what an a-level does to the individual being successful at this point in your student career what it does correct. to you as an individual the in confidence. terms of your the validation confidence. Yeah. correct yeah. yeah yeah the confidence i mean it's really interesting for me today because one of the things early doors actually um from kind of seven thirty to 8 o'clock i thought she was actually doing a really good job i thought she came across full of empathy um, I thought that she could have come out of the blocks, as we were worried about last week. It was always is all going to be about kind of teacher strikes, disruption. You know what? There was none of that. It was all very kind of very empathetic, very much like I'd like to you know, congratulate all the students who worked very hard. It was all like this kind of very very nice, empathetic tone.
4: There, there was a, then, a kind of paternalistic tone of "you'll be okay." Yeah, then I kind of we'll I kind get of, there. You've never seen a here.
3: And then I nipped out to take my girls to their grandparents. Came back, and she dropped an absolute, well, seemingly an absolute clanger. So it it seems like kind of you know she just left it left left alone too too long in the news cycle to to say something kind of out of out of sorts. Well, not rehearsed to give away exactly what they really. I I I just just wonder if she thought that it was going all so well uh, that she just kind of got a bit too relaxed because. Um she, she has been over the last couple of days. I thought she's been talking very eloquently about her own kind of path through vocational subjects, uh, which I applaud. The, you know, We need somebody to champion them. Uh, we need someone to kind of get behind vocational subjects. As I've said earlier on tonight, we've heard a lot about A-levels on the news. It's A-level, A-level, A-level. I can't find anything today on BTECS. You know, there's, there's a couple of stories about T-levels. Uh, but it's obviously we don't have enough information to kind of compare them on. But the whole story, I, mean, I, think, I think the BBC News, Good Morning Breakfast, whatever it's called uh, on ITV, that was just A-level, A-level. It's almost like nothing else was getting released today. And, you know, if you're hearing that as a kind of vocational student or a student who's in year 10 and looking for the next steps, you're looking at doing A-levels, aren't you? Because you think the country does not value um another qualification and i thought over the last week i got the feeling from her that she was being a bit of a champion around vocational education um but today that i mean that was a kind of an awful thing just to kind of drop that you know uh, you know who cares what everyone thinks in 10 years no one you know no one no one will kind of bother you about it but as as has already been said well yes they do because certain vocations you do need to say what they are and you are asked what they are
4: and this is the thing we know how sensitive they are. We know one of the things. Can do, but also...
2: Brent, you're quite quiet and you're dropping in and out. Sorry.
4: Sorry, yeah. Let's see how long they can get this going. That's better. Um, is that better? I'm trying to stay exactly still where I am. Um, but that's the thing. you
3: the I'm,
4: I'm literally outside in a, in a, in a outside Thank hall. A, a veranda. I'm literally 400 meters up in the Morne Mountains. As I say, I expect um, white walkers to come around the corner. Um, my old school's just around, miles around the corner up with the sheep and the, and, and the donkeys. I'm actually not joking about that. Anyway, go back to it, the <laughs> thing is, is that we know that the system is broken. We've known the system is broken during COVID. We, we saw the system be broken even more during COVID. So this idea of going back to where things were pre-pandemic is really, really annoying. Because you're going back to a system that was clearly not fixed. And and then yeah. going back to normal, there is no going back to normal. The gap between disadvantaged and advantaged is getting bigger. The only gap that's closing, ironically, is the boy to girl gap seems to have closed with air levels. Um, and that's possibly, you know, I would say that's down to the terminal exams, because terminal exams, ain't, I'm speaking on behalf of myself being one of those type of boys that could walk into terminal exams and somehow be able to just override you Know two years of nerves and just walk into a terminal exam. and I'm not saying wing it, but having that la- laissez faire sort of attitude. Um, we know that there are students, some fantastic students I've taught down the years who just don't go into exam halls do the holes. And I think that's what I think Gary Neville for me hit the nail on the head when he said, You know, our exams are prehistoric. You mm. have two years of solid work, 14 years of work goes into educating a child, 14 years, 15 years even to get them to the stage where they get their A-levels, and it just comes down to, what, two two-hour exams. It's tough. That's really, really tough. And I don't think it's... I. Maybe she's that a um, that, you know, in 10 years' time, you recover. But some children don't have the rescuing factors. They don't have the mumsies and dansies who've got connections, like most of the Tory party have. They don't have the cultural capital. They don't have many life chances that's the thing from working class kid like myself my a levels were massive to me because if i didn't get them the alternatives were my life was going to be a very different place and a lot of children don't get to recover from new failing exams because they don't have the cultural capital they don't have the backup they don't have the support of parents they don't have so it so, so, so can know, be that real get to slide,
3: sliding doors moment uh, where your life can go yeah. one or two ways and and that's maybe what she's missed today um, is that is that you know some people some students will have to make a call today um, they're already kind of anxious about university um, there was a great news night uh, program last night showing the kind of anxiety across the board around kind of the fees and everything else that goes on with university and particularly kind of what's going on with universities and the um, some of the quality that they're getting in terms of marked uh, assessments and that type of thing at the minute. But they, yeah, they're they really looking at that from a consumer's point of view and thinking, can I, can I afford this investment, this opportunity cost now? If I'm not getting my first place because I've been infected today, is it worth me going to university and just doing a degree somewhere just to move on? Or do I just need to make that kind of very mature decision? Because a lot of students are very mature now. They're very realistic. They're not kind of. If I look back where I was, I was just kind of, you know, away with the fairies, really, just kind of wanting to jump from, from one, one, one post to the other. To kind of, I, I didn't have the level of thought, but they've been forced into it by, you know, you have to pay £9,000, £10,000, whatever, plus the rents, plus the cost of living, plus everything else. You need to go and get a job. You need to go to a new city, find work, make friends, do your course. You know, there's, there's a maturity and a grown upness that is forced upon them all of a sudden at that age that they do need to get on with it. So some students will make the call today that actually, you know, I need to go and do something else. And that might mean just getting uh, a job. And there might be some great students um, and you know, one of the points that was made last night on Newsnight, which I think was really good, from a really really good point, was actually university. The the stuff that people bring out of university in terms of their study and their outputs for for the for the is a benefit for the whole of society. Um, it's not just for the individual. They might be the people that leave university and could solve the energy crisis, or they could solve a the the you know the global warming um, crisis, or they could create a product or a service that revolutionises the way we all think and see the world. Um, and for those students who have just missed out because of a recalibration or a rethink. Of what we expect a a star to be a star to be today, you know, could be kind of very devastating. They might just, as you said, not have that backup of, uh, you know, their parents and their parents before, and the whole family are all university, um, you know, undergraduates and graduates. Therefore, they don't. They're the first person in the family. Okay. And I would. Like, but add,
2: as a yeah. counter to that, let's just yeah. think about the university dropout rates for pandemic grading it's 30 percent it's higher than it normally is and that's because a lot of students who had overinflated a-level grades have ended up on university courses that actually they probably weren't well suited to and actually had yes. the grade a-level grades been as per 2019 and before they'd have ended up going on a pathway wherever that may be which would have suited their you know aptitude much better so um, you know we have this argument about this but actually with what hopefully what we're going to see now is a lower dropout rate for universities because students are on a course um, at university or wherever they may be, which suits them much better than actually what our perhaps unrealistic sets of grades might have done in the first place.
4: Yeah. Well, the we contrary t- t- to that, t- I would t- 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 say is that sometimes university—it's not the academic ability; it's the stage of life. There are people that go to university at 18 that maybe need to take a year or two. I was one of those. I needed to take a year out. I was exhausted after my A-levels. But my parents pushed me into, no, don't take a year out. I probably should have taken a year out. And I noticed a lot of my more mature kids these days do sort of build up some cash reserves. I know some of my pupils that uh, avoided going to university during the COVID era, they took a delay of a year and went. And some of their cohort in that COVID era struggled more than they did. Because that extra year, just maturity, it may not be the academic ability. It may be their, where they are in their mat- as well because I mean, some people take to it some people don't and i think the dropout rate at university is a lot more to do with not just the academic there's more there's more factors at play about students dropping out of university economic factors the cost of living crisis there's, i think this idea that some students are pitched they they, they weren't prepared I'll be honest, my A-levels were more stringent and di- more difficult to me than my three years at university. Mm-hmm. I find my A-levels more difficult. I actually find my undergraduate was a comedown and disappointment to me. The academic rigor in my undergraduate was never as good as my university professor at GCSE. Uh, sorry, at A-level. I actually find university, not that not easy, but not as challenging as I expected to be. I found an undergraduate quite underwhelming. To be honest with you, it was re- re- read twelve books and regurgitate them and write an essay in three thousand words and, and you know and, and you could do that the two days before job doing it. <laughs> That's what I felt. I didn't feel I was I was pushed. Now master's degree, I well, mean I I found a lot more. I got more out of that. But I think there's more to do at university dropouts than than it is about academic ability. I think there's a lot more goes on at university what's happening to some of our kids and young people preparing themselves for the. the
3: Th- this is one of the points i, don't, I don't <laughs> think you picked up on this earlier brothers one, one of my questions earlier was is does a levels itself is that is that it's own purpose just to prepare students for university does it have any other purpose um that, than that i mean if you didn't go to university with a levels you know is that is that a kind of then just a a nullified experience. Is is there any is there any point to that? I know students do have to stay and do something after school, and they have to stay on uh, at school or in edu- education. But a lot of students we know just don't know how to make that choice, so they often just stay at the centre, or they're encouraged by the centre to stay on. There's lots of reasons for that sometimes, uh, but sometimes it's that the, the genuine doesn't know what to do, so they come and speak to somebody in the school, and the school will obviously.
4: You can she to get you onto an eligible course. The problem mm. that I have with that is there are many of my students who say, "Sorry, sir, I couldn't be bothered with your subject. I'm already into college because the colleges just want to get kids on seats, and then colleges will kid on because they've got seats, they've got the money for them. They're not really bothered that they have a twenty-five to three, forty percent dropout rate." Because education has become marketization. Universities become businesses. That's our problem. Our problem well, is the marketization
2: As, as, the, as the Jesse J song goes, I believe it's Jesse J, it's all about the money, money, money. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is, that, and that's the factor. And that's why... Um, Good, you know, point. Good point. Forms ...will lower their, they'll lower their entry requirements to get bums on seats because it's all about the money. And they'll get the funding for those students and it doesn't matter if they drop out because they've got the money. You think, but, then, but,
3: that that's... Could the same accusation be at A level sorry.
2: Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. I can't say too much because I get into trouble, but um, I think <laughs> I think a lot of places um, near me. Um, probably fall foul of that um, quite significantly, um, accepting students onto courses um, who, to be honest, even if they've got GCSEs, they're probably, you know, they're, they're probably not quite right for it. Subjects like, for example, English literature or even politics or something like that, which requires a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of sort of doing a lot of work outside of the classroom. Some students sort of sign up for these things, and actually they probably are, they're probably able, but they don't necessarily have the correct work ethic for it and don't really understand, through no fault of their own, quite what it enti- entails, and they've gone, oh, that sounds interesting, I'll do that. By far the best example of this is economics. All of these students, 16-year-olds who want to be the next Lord Sugar yeah. signing so <laughs> up to do economics, my word, the amount of maths you need to be able to do correct.
4: that. Yeah. Oh, me about well, they'd it, be it, much it, better. I, I, Some
2: economics, yeah. who want to do economics be much better off going to do a Cambridge technical in business. They've been sold economics by a sick form or a college who wants mm. to get them in and actually they're just not suited to it. It's the same with maths. There's a reason why in a lot of colleges and a lot of sick forms your A-level maths um, entry requirements is now a 7 at GCSE. A 7 um, and that's because it's tough, and it's because actually, a seven at GCSE maths is still is in the fifty percent somewhere. So you can get half of your GCSE maths wrong and still do A level. And it's much harder. And I can say that as somebody who thought, who chose A level maths, thinking it would be an absolute breeze. It
4: wasn't. Spoiler alert. No, it's it's not me. I think psychology is another one that falls foul of that because people are interested in how that is involved in that. We have that issue with GCSE PE where a lot of, sometimes boys will, will do PE. It's not, it's 50% of it's theory, 50% of it's biology, 50% of it's, and they look at you and go, no, it's, it's not just playing games. You you are, that's part of our, kids and around peg and around hole, don't you? You want the right kid in the right place, studying the right qualification for the right And then when you get colleges, university, whatever it is, I mean, we've had a situation where, you know where class sizes get increased and they just get more kids in. And for some failing schools take more kids in because kids equals more money. They don't increase the staff numbers. And you're in this kind of game of... School schools advertising on the back of buses, schools on billboards university right? we're ready for are we ready for the university time of the year come to this university it's fun it's great You think universities are advertising universities shouldn't have to advertise the, the advertisement should be go to university get a degree and you get a good job and have a good life job done you know it, it is, it is it's weird history, though, you
3: know? some, some universities I do think have wasted their um, um, digital marketing budget today though because <laughs> for some reason all day I've just had advert after advert of a whole university and i don't know why it's been on my alexa it's been on my phone it's been on my so obviously i'm i'm looking at this data and obviously it's pulling it from somewhere that i'm looking it at a, a, a level a level results but for some reason um, you know, it's completely missed the fact that, you know, I'm unlikely to go to Hall, not not that I would, not that there were anything against Hall University, but the chances of me going to Hall University in September are pretty much uh, zero. Um, just while we've got a little bit of a break, I'm just going to um, say hello to our sponsors, Brent. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's the new Pearson's MFL. to talk about different types of GCSEs. Um, You know, we know that um, MFL can be a, a real... A um, head starter for people looking at doing maybe something a bit different with their set of qualifications or if they want to learn something different. So uh, Pearson's LXL, new student centered French, German, and Spanish. Uh, 2024 GCSEs cater for the needs of all learners uh, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Uh, rooted in learn language knowledge, their assessments are transparent, accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills through inclusive and relatable content. Uh, the new Pearson MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding on appreciation of the wider world. Find out more by going to go.pearson.com forward slash MFL. And if you would like to be a host of uh, Teacher Talk Radio and join the hive mind uh, that we're all kind of involved in, um, it is, as you can see tonight, it's a, it's a great crack. It's great CPD. I've uh, learned so much today by, um, you know, researching stuff for tonight's. Uh, I've really enjoyed my time kind of, you know, diving in and out of different analysis today of the A-levels. And where else besides the staff room um, can you have a good old moan and vent and talk to uh, like-minded people? And I speak to uh, teachers all the time that have great ideas around shows or podcasts. And they have some great ideas around teaching. So uh, why not Why not do a, you know, come and join the, talk, teach, the teacher talk radio team uh, where there's already, as you can see tonight, we've got a room full of people already uh, here where there's an established audience and a great setup. So as a host, everything's kind of set up for you. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of, as, as, as Brent always says, it's a great crack. And, you know, I always enjoy my uh, Thursday nights, and uh, uh, Crack
4: is the Irish word for fun, just in case you're wondering. Crack, I've got fun and music, hello, hello today. I've had lots of fun and music. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> and, to <laughs> apply to be,
2: and to apply to be a host, go to ttradio.org forward slash contact and fill out the application form and we will get Absolutely back to you as soon lovely. as we see it. Thanks I want much. to talk about our ex- exclusive stories today, gentlemen.
4: About history. Is this, is this what it I is saw history. about history? Yeah, I saw has a huge that.
2: Yes. uproar. Um, A-level history. Oh, I've had a lot of people come to me talking about this. We've been able to break it. as an exclusive because um, coursework moderation for OCR history has moved a number of students across the country down considerably more than in any other year. And teachers have complained. At least two centres have been in touch with us to tell us that they've had a sh- at least one student move down from an A to a D some centres have had students move down out of 40 by 16, 17 or even 18 marks. A piece of coursework. And we've looked at many moderator reports that have been sent to us, and to be honest, they're not very clear at all as to why these marks have been dropped so ferociously. If you read them, you'd think hmm, maybe one or two pieces might have moved down by two or three marks but no some streams been moved down by 16 17 or 18 marks now earlier this year ocr led training on delivering the coursework unit for a level history it's worth 20 percent of the overall grade however the training had to be rerun as the exam board admitted that the training was actually unclear one teacher told us the whole lot were downgraded one by 16 marks i'm absolutely broken another one who in 15 years of a level teaching had never had a coursework mark moved down had oh. a student downgraded by 18 marks or four grades. Um, And, yeah, according to their moderation report, there really wasn't much wrong. So we've got a bit of a sticky situation here. And it's interesting looking, as somebody who teaches OCR for A-level, our students were moved down as well. Our top end were moved down by about five marks. Our bottom end moved down by about four marks. That's the equivalent of a whole grade. So we had no A-stars for course work out of 16 students. Last year, yes, it was inflated... um, grades we had 11 A-stars of course work out of 25 so it's a huge shift and that's affected our grades for history overall it's interesting though with OCR and I haven't looked at the other exam boards, but yeah. actually the grade boundaries for this year are very similar to last year for 2022 even though we're supposed to have gone back to normal actually all you needed um, this year to get an A-star compared to last year or an A was five more marks that's all you needed and actually, nine marks less than in twenty nineteen. So the boundary that five is much... marks out of what two hundred? So out of two hundred, correct? Yes. So that is so two, and two and a half and percent. Two and a half then. percent, very good. Um, so this is an interesting one, <laughs> well, isn't it? Because we've had a lot of people, including yourselves, um, you know, make very convincing arguments for portfolio based assessment, more coursework, more independent, non-examined assessments. Um, but actually. Some students who would have been told their provisional mark for their coursework would have t- opened their envelope this morning and got a rather rude awakening. So I'm going to get you a reaction to that, Brenton Adam.
4: Well, as a, as a history know, teacher, right. um, I, I, the thing is, with three things about that, one, it causes the question, you know, parents trust teachers, pupils trust teachers, that completely undermines teachers and and that can be a tough thing. Another thing that could do is that, that again, can, if that shift grade boundaries down, that could be the thing that costs that that person getting that B grade or that A grade that they might need to get into that course at university. That might shift them out. And again, it might make them change their mind about the course. But that also could bring some heat onto the individual teacher because then that calls into question their moderation. You know, what was, what was their internal moderation? How good was their moderation? How good was their marking? I honest, that can really knock a teacher's confidence because it can make you doubt yourself. And it's a form of gaslight. Because you know yourself and you think you've done it right. It's just being a teacher and you're, 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 you're interpreting. But sometimes you have to interpret the will of the exam board. And, and there are those in the know. You go on courses, don't you, to, to make sure you're doing it right. So I think people have gone on course. And they so, love like, we but to make sure they don't make a ask people to do. They want courses, this presentation. the board. And it's not the we've seen that in the history recently with the example. so how can we them the exam boards when they do this? This complex system. Again, sure. who's then trying to teach. Brett,
2: you are cutting yeah. in and out. You Sorry. need to find a place and stay there. I am. Oh, I'm move. you're
0: better.
3: Keep going. It, it, so it always crazy. sounds better. Sorry, <laughs> But I, think, I think you made some really good, valid points there, Brent. I mean, as you know, as you know, I, this, this next year will be the first year that I've fully moved away from kind of um, teaching any kind of coursework subject. But, you know, I, I know how difficult it is sometimes. I mean, particularly, I mean, I don't know the history course, but I know OCR. And I know sometimes some of those um, mark bands uh, can be quite vague in terms of, you know, what is actually expected. Uh, within it and you do make a call or you make a judgement call as a teacher and you speak to other people and you and often sometimes like I was teaching kind of i media this year on my own like a lot of teachers do or computer science you might be teaching computer science you might be the only teacher um, in the building doing it and you you reach out and you speak to other people and sometimes it's quite difficult for them to kind of you know help you or guide you because what they're looking at is an interpretation of an interpretation and that type of thing and then sometimes you're looking at exemplars online and it's very difficult to kind of match exactly what the individual student um, is doing particularly if you've done it kind of properly and each individual student has worked solely Independently, and you—they have—they've worked in that kind of um, the right conditions, the coursework conditions—to uh, not get support and not get the kind of the templates and the writing frames and everything else. And they have produced an individual piece of work. My mine this year was kind of a graphic uh, design. It was an album cover, a vinyl album cover. I mean, how how do I kind of assess that across uh, three grade boundaries? And particularly looking at each grade boundaries, then it's like zero to five and six to 12 and that type of thing. So, again, you you make a judgment call as a teacher and then to get that back from the example without any kind of discussion uh, before. Or kind of training. And it's a bit like that thing we've talked about before about Ofsted. Sometimes it can just become this uh, judgment that just comes out of the blue and it's not a um, it's not a kind of training process or a development process because you don't necessarily know kind of where you've gone wrong within that process.
4: But it shouldn't be happening on mature courses. It should not be happening on mature. How, 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 how have they not got this right after so long? And, yeah. you know, the, the key evidence there of a teacher teaching 15 years, never had a problem all of a sudden. That's not the teacher. That's not the child. That's the exam board. Now, here's the thing. Those exam boards get paid money to deliver an assessment which is fit for purpose. And if yeah. it's not... I'm sorry, they have this is massive consequences. this is life changing consequences. You're messing around with people's futures here. I would use exactly the same scenario when it comes to um driving instructors. You yeah. know you have to have a set standard when it comes to driving instructors. You have to have a set kind of. You know parameters and drive instructors are meant to be tough and, and rigorous and that's we want them to be tough and rigorous because you don't want a driver on the road who's not fit to be Because so what's the consequences you don't want drivers on the road who cannot drive we want our students to be rigorously tested but fairly tested we want our, our educators to be given a fair chance to teach these children correctly and to be told the correct information and how to teach the children to an exam specification and an individual teacher gets this wrong then that's okay but if a group of teachers or a large number of teachers get this wrong, then the yeah. onus is on the exam board who have made right. this mistake. Yeah. And that's yeah. and so it's up to them to fix it, or else what we should all do is, as, as, a, as, a, as, as a teaching profession, is say to those exam boards, sorry, we will go to an exam board who does actually do the job correctly. And then that, if they want the market to decide, then that's how we decide it. We, we go rigorously to an exam board. But the problem you've got with that is, I don't understand. Why there are different grade boundaries for different exam boards? I've never
3: understood this because yeah. that's
4: leaving itself wide open to gaming, and I don't like that concept either. Well, it well, well,
3: well, I, well, I've I've seen that where 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 you you know you joined you know you you've gone to different centres and you've gone for like a training thing, and then that's so you hear you you hear a group of, stu- of teachers say, well, now we go to Edexcel because you know we find it kind of uh, easier to teach this. Doing well—that shouldn't be the case, should it? No. no that, that, that should I, make...
4: I go to a different driving centre and I'll pass my driving test because that driving instructor is easier?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah be well, I mean, you're, I, yeah, you, really you're right. I mean, I, I, I never really thought about it like that. What, why, why? So, I mean, I don't know if anyone here—we've got a room full of people, Brent. If anyone else has got any thoughts on this, uh, why do different exam boards have different um, different grade boundaries? Because you're right; it should be. Um, JCQ should should have it all off call, off call should have it all together shouldn't it they should Could have a pay-
4: scenario. What about different parts of the United Kingdom? Is the Welsh A-Star the same as the English A-Star? Is the Scottish A-Star the same as the Northern Irish
3: A-Star? Yeah, well, one of of the things we've not discussed tonight, Brent, uh, if you wanted to bring this in now, is actually just the the basis of that these results are not equitable across the uh, nations because of the support that Welsh and Northern Ireland students have had with these exams that English students didn't.
4: Again, I I can't believe it is Northern Irish saying this, but... English students seem to be disadvantaged and discriminated yeah, against, massively. don't
3: they? Yeah, and massively. The because...
4: about it, because what? Why again? It was the same during COVID. It, there was there was a rule for the other parts, the constituent parts of the United Kingdom, and uh-huh. not for England. And again, going back to school, the disruption. I, I believe, and I'll be honest with the disruption. Here's the irony, and here's the real kicker: the disruption in English schools was worse than it was in Scotland and Northern Ireland, and yet they have the least amount of help.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it see, it seems to be that way, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, I'd, I mean, I can't understand why students weren't given some kind of support, um, this 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 year because it was clear that there were there was huge disadvantages. Um, certainly as we as we've said, we've 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 do, we've done uh, shows before, haven't we, where we've said how yeah. much. Of, Different areas. Maybe this. Maybe this answers the questions from earlier. Why is the north of England so low today compared to the south of England? Well, it could be that, couldn't it? Because Fumbling, of cultural capital. No, no. Covid. Actually, covid. Actually, they are more affected by covid.
4: Well, there's 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 so many impacts you can have. There's the funding. There's the cultural capital. There's the state of the school buildings. There's the economic situation. There's the economic downturn. The cost of living crisis. No, you
3: no, no. It. I I understand all that, but there's there's, there's there's pockets of that all in the southeast as well, isn't I know it's I know it's widening that, in it's wide enough, but I but I just wonder if one of the factors that we're not looking at the elephant in the room here is that there were more students off. From school in the north of England, from actual COVID,
4: well, we know the accident- disadvantaged disadvantaged pupils suffered more in COVID, and look and, lo and behold, we have a situation that disadvantaged pupils from disadvantaged areas, mm-hmm. the gap has widened. Now, what's yeah. that all about? Tell tell me there, and this for me is this is this this is the thing I cannot get my head round. When Gavin Williamson and the rogue algorithm, I thought after the rogue algorithm, a bit like what happened last year with, with, with Ofsted uh, and Ruth Perry. what There are times when you say to yourself, something has to change. There are times when you think, right, this is it. This is it. that It's got to be. People have got to be aware now. The exam system is not fit for purpose. We saw it laid bare during the COVID crisis when the rogue algorithm just spat out exam results and it massively disadvantaged Pupils from especially really high functioning, high ability pupils, but from disadvantaged yeah. areas. And they were just yeah. openly discriminated against. And again, I go back to what Gary Neville said we are in a system now which seems to be creating an American type system where if you live in a certain area in a certain postcode, but even, even the way the, the whole system is, where there's some grammar schools in some place, some not some private schools in some place, our whole education system is in England. It's an absolute mess. It's an eating mess. I, yeah. I don't mess. Like this. That's where it came from because I love an Eton mess, but it's an absolute mess. <laughs> it's just all over the place. There's no consistency yeah. top to bottom. There's no consistency in exam
3: boards. Right. It's just absolutely... No, there's no, there's, there's, so we've currently got a system where there's no consistency across the countries that make up the United Kingdom. There's no consistency in the exam board. There's no consistency across regions because we no now consistency don't know... Of coursework either. We now don't know who is being disadvantaged? We we don't know about individual courses, uh, about the grades being different. I mean, like you're right. I mean, I mean maybe it's been created by an Eton mass. I don't know, um, but it's it's certainly a kind of it seems to be shambolic. So if the the Dov wanted to get out today, that we are now going back to a more robust system, are we saying that they fail with that objective today? That's
4: just robust system. It's not a robust system it's not it's going back to a more robust system as line it's like back to normal it's not back to normal we, we've not been back to normal we never can go back to normal the world has changed and then you want to go back to a system that didn't work in 2019 and celebrate that oh look we're being tough it's like it's like, being, it's like the war on drugs. We're fighting a war on drugs. Good like luck with that. People have been taking drugs since 3,000 years ago. Like war on crime. You can't win a war on crime. Like a war on terror. Yay, we can win a war on terror. Terror is a human emotion. I love when they do this. They do these sound bites of, we're bringing the exams more rigorous. Yay, by what? What was rigorous about those exams? Basically taking down the exam grades and punishing certain people. Because that's effectively what they've done. And who have they punished? Oh, lo and behold, this advantage to people who suffered more during COVID. It's just pure gaslighting and then announcements like well done to those hardworking teachers out there who went on eight days of strikes, but didn't need to go on eight days of strikes because we could have actually given the recommended paying conditions straight off. It's doing my nutting as an educator because I want to know where I stand and I don't know where I stand because what a, what's the system I'm actually trying to sell the children? Do these exams, but don't we don't know if we can trust the grades. But hey, but just in case, if you're wealthy enough, you can put them in for remarks. Because that's what's going to happen yeah. now. There's going to be a lot of people going to put it, them in. It, it a lot of schools are going to have the money so. to put them in for remarks. Brent,
2: let's talk yes. about remarks. This is really yeah. important. And I want to ask the floor here, and I want to ask you and Adam. You all know the answers, the two of you, but I wonder who else does. When we ask the exam board to remark a student's paper, what do they do?
4: <laughs> well, they, they, well, they they charge money for it. But they it charge you money
2: and they pay you back. Mark changes
4: correct.
2: But, but what, do, send... what do they actually? What is a remark? What it, what do they actually do?
4: Well, they take the part when you can't send. You only send one paper off. That's the I think. you can only send one. You talk about, about the process the that you... Yes. you. Yeah. Well. Yes.
2: We're talking about the process, Adam.
4: Well, the process is here. we go to our exams. I go to my exams office and I say, I'm not happy with this. I get grade boundary C and I check the grade boundary. And My usual process is if a student is one, maybe possibly two marks away from the grade boundary. So I calculate the grade boundary, see where the students have got and then say, right, is that close enough to the line? I then ask for the script. So I then have to I get the script sent to me, of which then I analyze the script. And then I say, right, can that be remarked? Which I did that last year and I had three students with one to two marks out. They didn't change anything, even though I myself was still that's a bit bit, bit dicey, especially in one of my papers. I felt my Germany paper and my exam board was a little bit off compared to my other two papers. In fact, there was massive differences between um, the papers. And then it gets remarked. And then you get the sort of uh, the comeback of what they say is, i.e. there are reasons for it not being. So that's the process I've had last year. With remarks, but I've had students who in English, who uh, my English department sent remark out, and they changed two grade boundaries in in an English exam last year because they were a bit 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 sort of funny with especially knowing your kids' predictions versus they are. I had another student who was their parents paid for their remarks because they were four four marks out, um, but they found two extra marks, but not the the other two needed to change the boundary. Um, but I'm
2: asking you, Brent.
4: What is actually a, when you've
2: done all of that, you've gone to the exam officer and you've sent off your request? What actually happens? Well,
3: well, I, well I, I think I think it must be that they just actually just check the paper again and kind of uh, remark it. I mean, I can't. It's the
2: wrong answer.
4: Oh, I didn't know. But, what do they do then? It's the
2: wrong answer. A, when you get a remark, you review the marking. So a senior examiner looks at the marks that have been given and decides whether they are within tolerance. And now they might disagree. So, for example, on the politics paper, a student might have got 14 out of 30 on a question and the senior examiner might have wanted to give it 16 out of 30. But because 14 is within tolerance for that question, the mark will not change.
3: Yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll, can I can I just come back at you, maybe as a steward's inquiry here? It does actually say I've just done a quick Google and Brent, you'll love this, is another little bit of a thing for you, is that different exam boards have different processes. Um OCR actually say that they have a they have a three stage process. One is a clerical recheck, um, just to check that all the uh, pages were
4: marked
3: uh, yeah. Yeah. A, The second one is the marking, the mark check whether the mark scheme was applied quickly. And then there's a kind of full review after that, uh, with with and each one has different costs to it. Um, so they so you can actually apply to OCR just to say has it all been added up correctly? That's eleven pound, and then it goes up from that really. So then you can go you can go up to a total of fifty seven pound fifty to get a full re- remark, which is um, what I
4: which I have done in, in previous years because I felt Edexcel does
3: Edexcel does something similar. And uh, I think AQA do more what was just mentioned then about um, uh, whether the uh, whether it's intolerance or not. So What's it's again getting...
2: it in Scotland as of last year in Scotland when you got a remark it was a full remark as in somebody would mark the paper again and then they'd see what the mark is and whether it had changed now in Scotland they've got rid of that option for this year so the most you can get in Scotland this year now is simply a review of marking
4: mm.
3: it sound good, it?
4: and yet our trust in the example well, what, what's going to happen to that coursework now
5: <laughs> well
2: i'll tell i'm gonna tell you this i'm i'm i was an examiner this year people will know what it was for but i won't divulge but um i was an examiner for the second year in a row and i can tell you that the quality assurance processes around my marking were virtually non-existent and i reckon approximately 1200 marks would have been given to students Day 400, probably 400 students, grades and there would have been absolutely no QA behind them whatsoever. No. You're a whistleblower you are.
4: <laughs> it was the last You're time you revolution. Revolution. I get I, I say
2: what for, those of you who stalk me on Twitter will be able to work it out. But, I, I
4: could work it out, but
2: that's shocking. Later, I'll tell you Slack later, Brent, and I'll tell you well, what... what, what look- of my students looking so looking at some of my students' scores on that paper compared to the other papers where you tend to get more experienced examiners mm-hmm. i'll tell you what i think a lot of shoddy marking has probably slipped through the net
3: yeah but but can i we, we know that for mm. example i don't know if it was history maybe you can to tell me was it history that was still looking for markers right up to the last minute
4: I
2: think they're of for my. I, I was asked to mark history, it well, wasn't why I marked in the end. I was asked to mark history paper. I'm not German, Germany. Germany I, mean, I was asked to mark that three days after standardization.
1: Oh, wow.
3: Well, that's. Wow. Robust. I don't really, I don't, you know, that's, that's a real kind of, you know, moment to think, isn't it, about kind of what has happened this year with all these results. So, so it's a real kind of pause for thought, isn't it? That's,
2: there, was, you know, there was so much pressure to get exams marks as well for different examples and different subjects the example which stood out for me and English preacher has um, tweeted us as well aqa english language were still two hundred and twenty-five thousand unmarked responses to one of the papers once the contracts had ended
0: wow 200,
2: yeah. unmarked responses when all of the contracts ended from examiners who had signed up to mark and bear in mind it's uh, I believe it's by far the most popular example for English, um, AQA, um, the examiners who want to fulfil their quotas and pool marking etc 225,000 unmarked responses once contracts ended. Now I assume all of those responses got marked. I can tell you now exclusively that for the paper I marked, for example what I marked which I won't be divulging, I was offered ridiculous bonus payments to do extra marking I was offered an extra 100 quid for every 100 extra questions I marked outside of a pool. I was then offered 25 quid for every 20 extra, 50 quid for every 50 extra, and 75 quid for every 75 extra, on top of a 100 for every
1: 100.
3: No.
4: Surely somebody in the national press is going to get a hold of that and go exam mark. And we scandal. broke it. We broke hey, it, is, is it in this?
3: July
2: <laughs> <our GTR laughs> exclusive, but nobody really picked it up and nobody really looked for it. And this is the whole I know a few people. When we talk about the fact that exams <laughs> are the fairest, most reliable, most accurate form of assessment, they probably are. But they're not fair, they're not accurate, and they're not reliable. Yeah. And through nobody's fault, apart from the fact examiners aren't paid very well, and these examples do make a lot of profit. Um, some shoddy marking does slip through the net, and some students will be the unfortunate recipients of that. And some of them won't be able to get it remarked because they might not have the money to do so. It's a class problem, and that's me doing my socialist preaching today. I'm not really even a socialist. There you go. You're I've become now no, like you, You're friends. Not, no.
3: Well,
4: the
3: That's the the way to leave a Twitter space. <laughs> uh, we do we do have some we do have some uh, comments, Brent, that I thought I'd just uh, spend some time yeah. reading. I've not uh,
4: got much got, time left. I'm going to put the kids okay. to bed in
3: a second before yeah. I'm in trouble. <laughs> no worries. We've got uh, the the boundaries for this is uh, Mr. C uh, Kelly who's uh, been listening all night. So thank you. Uh, the boundaries for A Star to A Level A A. ASAR to A was the highest they've ever been for psychology also paper 1 marks was significantly in capital letters lower in all centres in comparison with paper 1 and paper 2 so that's another good comparison we've not had um... that's, a
2: good, that's an interesting one because it chimes with mm. a lot of other subjects not just psychology that I've seen as well and I think a reason for this and Mr. Kelly might be interested in this and he did try and call and he's more than welcome to um, is that you tend to have a lot of less experienced examiners marking paper Paper one, because if you've started to mark a particular subject, where do you start? You start with paper yes. one, and so what you find is you get a lot of inexperienced marks, and therefore some of the problems which you get with marking and quality marking are compounded for those earlier paper ones.
4: How can you trust what you're? You're standing in front of children trying to teach them to an exam specification. It's like moving goal, It's like trying to hit a moving target. You know, it's just it's absolutely. And this is career ending. There will be there will be staff tonight who will be sitting down nervous, you know, what they're they're basically thinking. How do I explain these exams to my head of department or to my you know head of head of school and say these are why these exams are the way they are? And you know what they won't accept. They won't accept it's the exam board because they'll want to know is it your scheme of work, is it your teaching style, is it your your preparation? Because when it comes down to it, this is. This is teachers talk radio. This has got serious consequences for the children. Absolutely. it serious consequences for the people yes. also whose reputations were on the line. Our reputations are on the line. A good examiner It's like being, being a teacher these days is like being a football manager. You're not winning the league and you're not getting the results. Then, you you know, you're cannon fodder. Mm. You're relegation material. And that this can rake or break careers. And this, and it's, again, is something not far out of your control that you're judged by this. And, and what you're judged against is completely outside your control. Yeah,
3: we've, got, and not, we've, got another, we've got
2: another one here, And let uh, as teachers, sometimes I'm I'm ashamed to say I've done this, I've looked at the value added and I've looked at another subject's value added and I've breathed a sigh of relief to say, well, I'm at least, at least yeah. I'm not them. Um, you've got,
4: well, you do, got you're, another... not, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not bottom of, not bottom, bottom of, the, of the subject lead table because you'll get that, well, they could do it in that subject but not your subject. And you think, well, my subject has the terrible marking going, see, this is the thing. And that won't be accepted. There'll be schools where people will be trying to explain something, and the honest explanation is exactly what you just said there, which is that one paper was inconsistent in the marking, and that will not be
2: accepted for some And people. that's why Ofqual says that grades at GCSE and A level, I'm not sure about the um, vocational qualifications, but at GCSE and A level, grades are reliable to one grade either way. Oh, so Ofqual's perspective, if you've got a grade 7, then it's reliable because it's between six and eight. And it could have been a six and it could have been an eight and it was in the middle of a seven. And if you want to hear more about that, John Gibbs is on tomorrow morning and he's going to be talking all about that on eleven AM. Listen live at Ttradio.org forward slash listen hyphen live. Mr Kelly is here who Adam was trying to bring in before we were he was interrupted. Sorry, Adam. Mr Kelly, good evening. How are you doing? I'm uh, very well,
0: thank you. How is yourself?
2: Well, well, good, thank you. You've been telling us about your psychology and really high-grade boundaries. I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the boundaries for psychology, but talk to us about your results and experience today.
0: I wanted to headbutt a wall on some occasions. Um, we have a fairly able cohort to the point um, where I don't think typically we get below a D, barely ever um And our A star grades this year have tanked seventy five percent. um What I've noticed as well is in regard to build up incredibly quickly. So all examiners go for paper one. There was also a rumor, and I don't know how true it is, or whether it well, it was investigated. Apparently, paper one for us in psychology got leaked. And apparently, is it JCQ, I believe? It will be JCQ, yeah. JCQ ran an investigation into it, but never released anything, or it's not been made public knowledge to teachers. So I've got my tinfoil hat on a little bit, and I am making a conspiracy theory here. Have the marks for paper one tanked, because that was the proposed leaked paper, and they've done some statistical analysis and skewed the data and also typically paper three is normally the worst performing paper and centres are struggling to wrap their heads around the fact I've talked to teachers from three or four different centres why paper one is the worst when in regard to examining there's nine optional topics on paper three for psychology most teachers choose three so teachers typically teach three of the nine examine subjects on paper three. If you examine paper three, you have to mark all nine. So I I can't wrap my head around either between paper one, two, and three. When if you're a teacher that's say, for example, taught forensic and schizophrenia, you're let go and you're running um cognition development if you've never taught it before. And I know we all professionally understand mark schemes, this, that and the other there's nuances that you get from teaching your subjects and what you get from like teaching it. And they're always begging people to mark paper three. They can never get people that want to mark paper three. So I'm really, really frustrated with this paper one scenario because like I say, I've put two and two together and made 14. I'll hold my hands up. But was it because that paper was leaked that could potentially be the reason that they've, either dragged marks down or been very very cautious with issuing marks
2: thank you for that it's really really interesting and i think you're confirming what i was saying as well about paper one having more examiners um, versus paper three only not having as many and you know it can be swings and roundabouts you might get people who just want the extra money and may not be marking validly it's very interesting and um, brent and adam um what's your ma- i mean what i would say is i'd throw as many as of your paper ones as you can for a remark um that's what i would do in that situation i'd look to see if there are any patterns and i'd look to see which students had them um, you know had not had done particularly poorly who surprised you i'd be getting the scripts back and i'd be getting in those remarks if i felt they were hard done by Brenton adam your thoughts
3: yeah thanks, uh, wow. thanks. It's, re- it's really interesting perspective actually what's happened just just during this show is that the, the plot thickens and it's really interesting hearing different different perspectives now i'm going to have a quick i just quickly looked at my results thinking you know are the differences between papers are the differences between uh, students that we expected to get um, a lot higher grades than we thought are there um, sudden changes in in different papers so it def- definitely means you know that i'll be looking at papers in much more detail so thank you very much mr kelly for your input tonight. I don't obviously know the technical details okay, of back your course. I think Brent's maybe just putting his kids to bed, that's why. You okay, Brent? Or...
4: Oh, can you still hear me?
3: Yeah, I can still hear you, yeah?
4: Oh, sorry, the signal's just dropped. I'm just trying to find out that the sweet spot.
3: Still no, 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 no worries, uh, Yeah, no yeah, yeah so I was, I, was just, I was just saying that-
4: I I, I I think it needs to be a
3: conversation yeah. I've
4: been through I think my 19 20 years one of the hardest years in my profession
0: yeah
4: oh. it's years these children oh.
2: Brent, you are cutting
4: yeah. out. I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. so, oh! Any child for me—that this is this is a generational thing. These children have had one big educational experiment after the other, and I think the culmination of today is just exactly what we're saying is chaos, um, inconsistently in chaos. And it's got to be that we, as a profession, have to push back on this again. And and I, I, as a union, I'm going to say as as a union representative, and I one of the things I'm going to be campaigning on and also as a political candidate, one of the things I'm going to be campaigning on is the state of not just our education system, but the way that we examine our children to get the best out of it. Because this is not fair. For me, this is not fair on us as educators, but it's not fair on these children, and especially the type of children who we know work really, really hard. They deserve better. And they have, we're robbing, they're we being robbed of their future by people who cynically just turn around and what well, the headline is, back to normal not see here move along. Yeah. Know...
3: So Brent, we've just had no. another comment come through about um just just confirming that you you hit the nail on the head, and this is how uh, Catherine Flynn feels as a head of department uh, today. Uh, how the hell do I justify these results? Um I won't lie. I've sobbed my heart out today, and I'm dreading next Thursday wonder how many people are in, the, in that position We're actually now they're actually kind of now really worried about next week uh really kind of anxious about and again it goes back to what we've been saying as a general theme now about the mental health and well-being of the staff uh today as they as they now oh, pick I'm, through, ready. The-
2: I'm ready okay. yeah I'm dreading next Thursday, I'm not, I can't go in next Thursday, um, um, just because I know that the results, you know, as much as I have faith in the students I've taught, I know the results aren't going to look very good, so many persistent absentees, so many issues with yeah. behaviour, so many so co- much students have been disrupted by the, you know, consequences of COVID, I just know they're going to be pretty horrible, and that's a conversation I'm going to have to ha- be, you know, be forced to have in September, and, you know, I'm, I'm bracing myself for it. I think there'll be lots and lots of teachers in the same position as Catherine. Yeah. And well, 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 particularly, you and know, I think, think, there's, think there's, about there's, history. There's, you know, history Edexcel history paper. If you did medicine yeah. for paper one, there was a wrong date in it. If you Germany for paper three, section B was atrocious. And a wise head of department would have spoken to their line manager and spoken to their SLT link and said, "Well, look." we've had these problems, the results aren't very good and we have got got it in early. And it probably won't do a lot of good, but they would have probably got it in early.
4: I don't mean at all.
3: No, I think he's just gone. I, I just want to say, just back on what you've just said there, I think there's a real responsibility here for um, senior leaders to actually kind of step up here and, you know, put an arm around... Uh, hard-working heads department who uh, who have worked incredibly hard for the last two years with the students with over the whole period basically navigating their way through all of this and actually going up to them maybe today maybe tomorrow giving them a quick call you know and just and, and just kind of you know talking to them and thinking about their kind of mental health over this week because you know as, as we said before we started off this show to say that today is a bit of a kind of wake-up call you kind of back in you're back in the room as it were as a teacher and i think kind of Catherine is actually just um if anyone could just let katherine kind of talk
2: yeah she's in Catherine, unmute yourself and Hello, tell Catherine. us how you do about results
5: day hi everyone thank you hi. so much for your comments i think no I mean, you guys have hit, have hit the nail on the head there. I think ultimately the way I felt today is I'm just fighting a bit of a losing battle here. Um, I'm based in the north of England. So, I mean, and when you look at the, the national projections of how students in the north of England have performed on top of this huge hike in uh, grade boundaries, you very much feel that, you are fighting this losing battle and ultimately it's, it's the children that suffer. Um, and, and, you know, I know that other heads of department and other history teachers will feel exactly as I do where we've given our soul to these children and Mm -hmm. it's just not quite paid off for them in, in some regards. I've got a small cohort. We're a small six form. um, and, Seven out of the nine students were one mark off the next grade boundary, oh. which really frustrates me. That examiners are just not committing to those next grades. And Can I ask, yeah.
2: Catherine, what exam board you are?
5: EdXL. Edexcel. Ed Ed now yeah. I'm trying
2: to. Now I'm trying to. I'm racking my brains here about edXel history. You follow the different pa- your different paths model in terms of your unit choices. Indeed. I have no idea how edXel is marked and I'd love your input here. Is it marked question by question or is it marked paper by paper?
5: Paper by paper. Well, so
2: we've
5: you- got we've huge disparities between um, performance of papers, um, paper one and three. You know, we've got students where they've got um level four level five answers on paper one and then got level two answers on paper three paper three is notoriously the harder of the three Mm. we've had no adjustments to coursework which nothing no adjustments at all to coursework which i know my aqa counterparts have seen and ocr and ocr absolutely we've seen marks
2: go down by 18 for ocr out of 40
5: so it's a lottery, isn't it? Really, of your exam board, where you live, whether you're in England, Scotland, where you, you're knackered either way, so to speak.
2: Well, it's a point that Brent and Adam made earlier on about this idea that we're going back to a robust system, and yet there's so mu- there's so much inconsistency, and there are so many problems, and there are so many barriers to success. And it was a point that Adam made right at the very start. I think that actually. Some students just don't have what they need to get the same grades as others. And there's a significant inequality in the system.
5: Oh, absolutely. No, it, it it's true. And it, and it is ultimately the, the, the young people that suffer, you know. And, and I think that's where the frustration lies and the upset lies. And I know that's how I felt, you know, certainly this morning. I was pretty inconsolable. Um, but I think, you know, as always, the teaching profession is so resilient that it will come back and go, right, we go again. <laughs> and um, that that's ultimately what we have to do. But I really hope, like you mentioned, that there is going to be that support there from our senior leaders and our heads of department to acknowledge. I know I certainly acknowledged with my team today how proud I was and, and of what they'd achieved with those children, despite everything. And I really hope that heads do get behind us and support We've just, us.
3: It's that moment We've for heads, heads need us to step up. In.
2: We just had a text in from somebody who said that EdXL um, of EdGC marks question by question. I know when I've marked with EdXL in the past, not for history, um, I've marked question by question. So is it definitely paper by paper for EdXL at A level history?
5: As far as no sorry sorry no it is it is question by question i apologize sorry
2: No, now i don't know i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm not really plugged into the edexcel matrix or any examples matrix i don't know to what extent the questions are all you know but say the same examiner will get all of the candidates particular questions um it is very interesting and actually it does suggest that actually it's not examiners throwing caution to the wind but actually in your case it's really really unfortunate that so many of your students have ended up so close to the next boundary what are you what are you doing about that is the school going to support paying for remarks will the students pay and their parents pay for remarks do we know what's going to happen no, in that
5: the, the the school will pay for the remarks and, and and I've liaised with kind of our head of sixth form has been really supportive and said you know absolutely let, let's put this through and let's try and you know get those kids the grade that they deserve and and it is all the top kids, the kids that should have got A's when they've got B's. Um actually our our lower end of kids that we were were expecting to not perform as well have actually done okay and got past that, you know, threshold and got the C's. So it, it is very much the, the top end um of those the that grade distribution that's been hit hit for us in Edexcel
2: Yeah, we've had the same issue with OCR for history in that for a first time in living memory, we haven't had a single A star. And we've had a cohort where we've had a handful of students who probably could have got an A star on a good day, but actually nobody's got close. And that's been quite a surprise for us. And actually, the results have been quite nicely stacked for us towards sort of the A's and B's, um, mainly B's. Um, But yeah, to not have a single A star from the cohort, it's really disappointing. Um, And yeah, I mean, this is now the new normal, I suppose. Um, I should point out, it is 9.03. We're an hour and a half in, but we are still going, Adam, if you want to carry on going. Um,
3: I've got got, got 10 minutes,
2: no worries you keep on telling us your results day stories you can tweet in um tweet us you can see the speech bubble in the bottom right hand side of your screen um you can request to speak very excitingly you can now request to speak if you are listening to spaces on a laptop it's still in the bottom right left hand side of your screen the request mic button and you can Call in and tell us all about your A-level results day stories because we've had quite a few. James Gisby says, I'm now worried about next year's cohort. I might mark far, far more strictly when I shouldn't. Tommy has said he had students today that have been smashing psychology all year, walked out of exams feeling confident, but ended up with a C. They felt so confused. I want to have a look at the thing which is pinned to the top of the um, screen top of space adam um, it's five down which is tez um, have shown the a-level results and entries by gender in 2023 yeah. shall we have a look at that if we have a look at the let's have a look at the 10 most popular ones um, or 10 where it's skewed more towards boys and girls we start with computing right at the very top then physics and further maths then economics, design and technology, mathematics, business studies, PE, music, and geography, but geography is quite even, and then gals uh, entering far more than boys in, performing and expressive art, English literature, sociology, art and design, psychology, English language and literature, drama, English language, religious studies, and French, and Spanish isn't far behind either. History and politics look fairly even actually they're actually the um, most even split any of that surprise you at all adam
3: so, well, well, I was a um, pre- previous head of computer science, and I know we had a uh, kind of continuous kind of uh, objective to try and get girls to uh, take computing. And um, you know, in my, in my short time doing that, I went on to uh, focus more on business at a different centre. But I, I could, I, I could never kind of work out. Uh, what what the magic kind of um, ticket was to get girls uh, more into computer into computing? They seems to be kind of uh, fairly um, that they enjoyed that they enjoyed the subjects uh, in Key Stage three, um, but then would never take it at um, GCSE. And I think kind of the class that brought one or two one or two girls um, chose that topic, um, and I guess it becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? If the, if girls look into the classroom. Uh, at lower at lower ages and only see boys they then choose maybe not to choose it kind of later on when it comes to their options um but we did do lots of things i remember kind of took taking one cohort to um we took into disneyland paris uh, we managed to kind of get to see how computer science impacts on things like, um, you know, digital marketing, um, you know, fairground rides, the 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 kind of machinery around the kind of rides and all that. It was a great trip, um, but afterwards, none of those girls took uh, computer science afterwards. Um, so I, I didn't, I did I never got to the answer of that. And I know physics has also had a kind of, uh, similar kind of, uh, over-masculated kind of, uh, population, uh, within, within their cohort as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of those that research has been trying to, uh, figure out for years, isn't it? Why, why certain, particularly physics, I remember kind of, we had the, me and Brent did our masters with a, uh, head of physics, and I think his research topic was around kind of to try and um, encourage girls to to take physics, and you know even after the three three years of masters he couldn't find the kind of the magic tablet to to convince uh, more girls into physics. Um, so I don't know if it's one of those kind of tightly ingrained uh, things that you know is is very hard to kind of shift um or there's other 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 reasons i play that you know i've just kind of lost lost us really
2: yeah i mean it's very interesting um i want to ask mr kelly because he's head of psychology sociology and politics um about the gender divides in your subjects and also catherine from a history perspective as well um because the national trend for history is it's fairly even boys and girls um fr- from the um national trends for psychology and sociology it's more heavily weighted towards girls. I wonder if either of you have got any insight into that in your schools and your subjects?
0: Yes, um, sociology is very female heavy. We get one or two boys in every class each year in about a class of 15 max. Psychology is starting to get more males within it but it's still female dominated. I'd say it's still about 70-30 split so it does mirror those trends
2: it's really interesting what what out of interest i don't teach sociology but i've always found it a really interesting subject why why do you think sociology is so female dominated
0: it's going back to that concept that was mentioned earlier about that self-fulfilling prophecy um i don't think and i don't think we do it consciously but i think teachers and people in charge of options and a variety of different people give this narrative of, oh, girls are really good at writing essays, you're really good at getting your ideas out, you're really good at expressing your feelings, so do an essay-based subject, whereas with boys we say, oh, you're creative, you're hands-on, you're this, you do science, do computing, and it's not, it's not something that people consciously do, but I think we've also fixed it in our head, well, boys can't write long essays, boys can't express their feelings and I feel like that trickles into subject choice as well Um, you do see a lot of like I say evidence that it comes a lot from staff it comes a lot from peers so it'll be oh don't take that that class is full of girls or don't take that that class is full of boys and they're very heavily influenced by that and I think that's a massive factor within it as well
2: that's a really interesting insight, there, Catherine. I don't know if you wanted to share your insight as well.
5: Yeah, I think you know, you know, you're absolutely right there in those comments. Um, I do find year on year, our, our split varies um, between girls and boys. I do think absolutely that perception of that girls um, have the the skills or are perceived to have the skills, you know, the extended writing skills to be successful at A-level history and GCSE history. Um, but you sometimes find that boys generally have some of that, that passion and enthusiasm for history. So I, I think actually we do reflect that split. It is quite even between girls and boys in history. Um, it, it, it can sometimes just be these mitigating factors where we have a lot of students where they have things like english history law as combinations uh, and that can be a challenge i mean i know our students this year sat the a-level history paper on the same day as the english literature which is two very very heavy exams to have on the same day you know even down from the timetable
2: it was also interesting from a gcse perspective i was talking to our head of geography um that the gcse geography exams all three of them um were scheduled on the same day as a um, science exam and that would be a that's a whole year group exam pretty much um and so geography there they were sitting their exams with it on the same day as another as a compulsory subject essentially and it's very interesting at the timetabling i've seen a lot of it this year we had one student who had to be in because they had three exams all timetabled on the same day so they had to um, sit one at the end of the day and um, had to be kept away from all of their friends and any technology so that they didn't find out what the questions were so oh,
5: that's it's crazy isn't it yeah i think i know one of our papers this year was timetabled on the same day as maths um, and so, you know, you're competing with that, you know, kids naturally fighting for those grades in, in English, maths and science and, and, you know, whether sometimes history as an option subject is, is put on the back burner for some of them, not all of them, of course, because I know students want to do well in all the, you know, their exams, but it's, it is, it, it, it's a challenge, it's, it's, it's just so difficult.
2: Yeah, no, it is. And I've had a lot of students this year say to me, well, I don't care about history. All I need is English, maths and science, and then I can go and do what I want to do. And it is really, really frustrating. I should point out at this point, a very good evening to everybody listening, um, that Teachers Talk Radio is brought to you in association with Pearson Edexcel. We've been talking about exams and their new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs catered to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills inclusive and relatable content the new Pearson MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of an appreciation for the wider world you need to go and find out more because hey you might be thinking about your GCSE options next year so if you're a language teacher go to go.pearson.com forward slash MFL Adam we're going to bring this to a close now I think um, and what, what are your big takeaways from today's results day
3: yeah I mean I mean it kind of as I said it's kind of it started off with the, the day thinking that actually the, the education secretary was doing a very good job um not playing the blame card really kind of empathizing with students uh to then kind of drop in a kind of almost like immediate clangor by by that you know in 10 years time no one will worry about kind of what you've got i think i understand what she was trying to say but it's a bit ham-fisted and went wrong to the point of when i got when we got through to about kind of eight we're going through all of the consistencies when you really put a microscope over this and you ask yourself the question is this system robust which is what the claim was we need to get back to a robust system we need to bring robustness back in system actually over the course of the last hour and a half, we've very much you know, analysed and I think concluded that the system is really unfair and a little bit all over the place. And in some cases, really unfair to lots of students and lots of teachers who have put incredible amount of work in over the last 14, 15, 16 years of their lives uh, to receive a judgment, which is a grade, of what their capability is. And I think we heard from Brent uh, earlier on, and I agree with this, how potentially damaging that is to an individual's confidence, their well-being going forward if they think they have failed at this point because of these problems that we've been able to analyse tonight. Um, so what I'd like to say to I'd like to finish by saying any student um, or any teacher who's listening today, you know, you are, you, you put in so much to all of your students you know and you work incredibly hard and please have value in yourself over the last over the next couple of weeks you know this isn't down to your teaching it's not down to the fact that you didn't put an objective up on tuesday morning it's you need to concentrate on the uh, over a long period of time of building the well-being of individuals which we all do on a day-to-day basis but also now take care of yourselves over the next week you know reach out to colleagues talk to somebody don't just sit there you might be with partners who don't fully understand the what's happened and don't understand the process and don't understand kind of what goes on in schools and what we kind of do on a day-to-day basis and how much that kind of you know gets inside us and how much it means to us as well as the students um so it's literally kind of you know big love to everybody today look after yourselves um you know it's been a kind of a bolt back into the reality uh, of the game that we are seemingly playing around kind of results, you know, and I hope that, you know, come next week, whatever those results are, that we're able to get back into the new year. and Remember what it's all about. It's about the young people. It's about building relationships. It's about the kind of love for your subjects and everything else. And it's about kind of wanting to be that inspiring person, which I'm sure you all are.
2: And my message. Just to build on from what Adam has said, very wise words. There is look after yourselves as teachers. Your results might have been good, they might have been not as good as you're expecting. But what's important is you, and you're more than just a teacher, and your life is more than just teaching. And it's really important that for the next week or so, especially if you've got GCSE results, that you look after yourself, you enjoy what is left of your summer holidays, and you're ready to go back all guns blazing in September and put yourself whatever that is hopefully some of your students will have achieved what they wanted or as many of them as possible and would have been able to go on to their next step some of them won't have and that's okay at this stage you need to make sure that they are looked after as well and if they do come asking you for advice that you lend them an ear and you try and just help them guide through what will be a very difficult mo- difficult point in their lives we are back next Thursday for... Well, we're doing this all over again, I think, Adam. Um, we'll be doing it for GCN seems Thursday. so, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of the similar narratives I imagine will be here. Do you make sure you join it, us? it, it would be,
3: inter- be interesting to see if there's any comparables, isn't there, to see whether the same pictures kind of come in through at a different level.
2: I could probably predict how next week's show's going to go right now. It will go regional variation, disadvantage gap, Julian Keegan said something silly, um, and then... Uh, how my results are not as good as I was hoping for. That's pretty much how it's going to go yeah. next week, I reckon. You've missed,
3: week. you've missed two things. Gary Neville and uh, you're, you've also forgot that Jeremy Clarkson will say something about that. He never got any GCCs or something.
2: Yeah, possibly. Um, and maybe Alistair Campbell will c- quote us again. I don't know. Um, what Sorry. else was I going to say? We do have a great show, though, tomorrow at 11am. Do make sure you tune in for John Gibbs live with the exams guru himself, Dennis Sherwood. They're going to be talking about these A-level results and whether these grades are reliable. You've had a bit of a sneak peek from me today talking about it, but you're going to hear from some experts. Um, and actually what the case is for assessment reform at, um, for 16 and 18-year-olds. So do you make sure you join in live on tomorrow at 11 11 a.m. You can listen live on the Podbean app or on the website ttradio.org forward slash listen hyphen live. Um, If you've joined us for the first time tonight, then make sure you follow us on Twitter at ttradioofficial. We'll keep you up to speed with the um, latest. Um, news stories in the world of teaching and of course all of our wonderful hosts we've got i think three new hosts starting next week really excited and we are still looking for more hosts to join us on teachers talk radio our spaces are running out but we do have some left including on the evenings and for those of you who don't want to commit to a weekly or fortnightly show we do have monthly hosting opportunities available as well to find out more just Drop us a DM, or you can find out more and apply on our website, ttradio.org forward slash contact. So it's goodbye from Adam. Good night. And it's good night from me. Take care, look after yourselves, and we shall see you on education tonight,
3: next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time